0: welcome to another installment of The Partial Historians. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Rad. And I'm Dr. G. Welcome, everybody. Join us as we trace the history of Rome from the founding of the city. Until its bitter, bitter end. Exactly. <laughs> We're so far off that though. There's no need for us to be bitter right
1: now. Oh yeah, doom and gloom though, you know.
0: <laughs> now, we've come out of a fairly... Uh, interesting and
1: turbulent time period dr g at least
0: in my account
1: (laughs) your time period is like you're like you're ready for like the next big thing in roman history i've got so many more details before we get there i'm all for the details
0: but i'm just going to give a quick recap of what i was up to and therefore where the world is up to (laughs) with what rome is doing so in my account we've just emerged from 458 And in 458, the big thing I suppose that we should uh, make our listeners aware of is that Cincinnatus was dictator. Hello. That's a very powerful position for one man to hold. Exactly. But because he is Cincinnatus and he is quite the man, he was quite willing to give up his power once all the business that needed to be attended to was attended to. And what needed to be attended to, according to Livy? Well, you know, a number of things, really. I mean, obviously, military was the primary reason for him getting the dictatorship. But whilst he was in the dictatorship, quite the scandal emerged domestically. One of the Tribunes, who I must admit I have been backing, because of course I'm on the side of the Tribunes. Of course I'm on the side of the Tribunes. Go for the man! Exactly. Uh, one of the Tribunes of that year, who's been in the picture now for quite some time, one Marcus Alvorskyos. Um, This is the guy that had the brother that was supposedly killed by Cincinnati's son, or one of his sons, yeah, Awkward. Yeah, awkward. Yeah. Turns out he fibbed. It was a lie. Well, oh, okay, I should correct that. I still, even though Livy records remarkably little detail of this, and so it seems to indicate that, you know, case closed. <laughs> I still feel like this must be a patrician setup, <laughs> I've just taken them like five years to get the goods on him. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. But, I mean, Livy tells me there are lots of witnesses that, you know, basically the timelines don't add up. You know, that Kaizo couldn't have been in two places at once, that the brother couldn't have been where Volsky said he was, so did Kaizo kill him? Turns out, probably not. So Cincinnati stayed in office long enough to make sure that this guy got his just desserts.
1: Oh, okay. Nothing like becoming dictator to get a little bit of family vengeance.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't blame him in a way, because after all, when Kaiser skipped town, Cincinnati's lost a huge chunk of his property. (laughs) Um, He was reduced to being a peasant farmer, essentially. uh, And always churchless. It allowed him to do his noble rise as a silver (laughs) fox of the Republic. Mm. Anyway, so that's what had been happening in my account by the end of 458. Now, our timelines don't always match up perfectly.
1: They don't. Um, so, I mean, where I got up to with Dionysius' account is that he sort of moved into this hagiography of Cincinnatus and talked about all of his virtues. Naturally. Um, which was very <laughs> exciting. And that was kind of where he finished off the year. And so we slide nicely from that point into 457 BCE. Okay, okay, So it's time for some new consuls. Oh, yes.
0: Okay. In my account, the new consuls of this year are one Quintus Minucius and Marcus Horatius Pulvillus. I was trying to say that Latin wise, it doesn't work. Marcus Horatius Pulvillus. <laughs>
1: so much easier to say. <laughs> How about yeah. in your account? Okay, so yeah, we've got guy. Uh, we've got Quintus Minucius mm. um, Esquilinus, uh, a patrician, the brother of Lucius Minucius Esquilinus Augurinus Consul of the previous year.
0: Exactly. I was going to say this Minucius name is yeah. familiar
1: to us. Yes. Are you feeling mucusy? I am <laughs> Minucius. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Keeping it in the family. <laughs> um, and and yes, uh, I agree. We've got Gaius um, or Marcus Horatius um, Consul for the second time. Previously consul in 477. Mm. So, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, back some, again, back yeah, again. Yeah, so he uh, famously fought in the Battle of Cremera, for our keen listeners who have been paying attention to the chronology. Ah. And that was the year when the people of Ve also came down and occupied the Janiculum. Yes. Yeah, so, Bad times all around. Yeah, yeah, so he followed them and wasn't able to quite finish them off. Yes. And, yeah, but he left a bit of a legacy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back for some more consulship.
0: Well, uh, you know that that might explain actually why there's such a huge gap in his career, don't you think? I mean, it's not <laughs> like Cromera went all that well. Yeah, you kind of. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, it takes time to come back from
1: something like that. Exactly. Twenty years. That was his delivery <laughs> A wow. reference that will
0: probably only make sense to Australian <laughs> and New Zealand listeners. <laughs>
1: Look it up. Look it up. Yes. Well, safe to say. Uh, Things did not go well. But yeah, so we've got some disagreement in our sources about... um, Cincinnati's a dictatorship. (laughs) Mm. Well, uh, well, yeah, like what's going on? I I mean, it seems to be over for now. Yeah. Um, But is anything truly over in Rome? Nobody knows. (laughs) Um, So this year, 457 gets off to a bit of a a murky start. Um, There seems to be a whole bunch of... Uh, Issues outside of Rome. Mm. So there are reports coming in that the Sabines have occupied the country between Fidinae and Crustumerium. Mm. What a place. (laughs) Uh, So we've talked about Fidinae before. That's come up. And it is north. Not for for a while, though. Not for a while, no. But it is north of Rome. Yeah. uh, And sort of like uh, pretty directly north. So if you travel north, you'll get there. That's fine. And then this Crustumerium. Uh, what? I, I just love Such the name. a name. name. It Such sounds a like a skin name. disease. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Sabines are occupying it, so <laughs> that tells us everything we need to know. Um, but it is to the northeast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's about the same distance from Fidene that Fidene is from Rome. Right. So we're talking about a big chunk of land being occupied by the Sabines. Um, so people up there are not very happy and they've come down to Rome being like um excuse me this is really taking me back you know we're
0: talking about so many things we haven't talked about in such a long time people have, who have been absent enemies who have been absent
1: <laughs> yeah look there's nothing like hearing from your crusty friends in the dark <laughs> And it turns out that the Aquians have also continued um, I was going, to be the yeah, thorn in the side of Rome. I was going to
0: say, the Aquians are the ones that actually come up first in Livy's account. They uh, apparently carry out a night attack on a Roman garrison at Corbio in my account. Yes and
1: Corbio is right near Tusculum Mm. and Rome has been in and down in that direction for the last couple of years at least and this was part of the issue that required Cincinnati to become the dictator the year before. So this area is a bit of a hotbed uh, for crisis. Yeah Yeah. 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 and so Corbio is just a little bit to the east of Tusculum Mm. and so it's on the fringes of that um, mountainous area um, to the southeast of Rome, mm. so Rome is really being sort of called in two directions, um, yeah, north and southeast. Now I'm curious to know because there's a there's a definite
0: uh, there's something I have to mention from Livy's account before we delve too deeply into the military action of this year, and that is that Livy sets this year up with the typical thing, Doctor G. Oh, you know what I'm going to say? I feel like we should put this on a T-shirt. The lore about the laws. Oh. That comes before any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because typically, um, what I think what Levy's trying to highlight, and I mean, maybe this what actually happened, but what gets highlighted by these military crises is the Levy. You know, which, which is the classic way that the patrician-plebeian clash
1: gets highlighted. Yeah, I mean, the patricians really rely on the Levy, which is basically enrolling all of the able-bodied plebeian men into a sort of a standing force for the year. Yeah. They don't have a professional army as such they've got what this levied sort of citizen army that they have to recruit on a year-to-year basis depending on the crisis that they face I'm feeling strong
0: strong parallels with the rural fire service in New South Wales right now. Again, look it up people (laughs) We are living through a crisis in Australia, that is a footnote. Yeah. But hey, doesn't hurt to mention on the podcast because it will be now preserved for posterity. This was not a good time when we we're recording this podcast. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so in my account, the tribunes, everything's fine at first with external issues. And as is so often the case when the Romans are distracted by something external, internal problems arise. In this case, the same tribunes who were in power again. Mostly led, I think, by Wiginius and Volscius, although they're not mentioned by name specifically here, uh, who are again agitating for this law about the laws to have the legal, um, well, like basically the legal system and codes and that sort of thing written down somewhere so that everybody has equal access and knowledge of these things, or at least the potential to do so. Um, And it's at this point that the Aquian attack happens. The consuls therefore decide that they need to carry out the levy because they need to head out, and then the tribunes start fighting the levy because this is their their only real leverage usually. Okay, and it's, Livy tells me that the consuls were actually about to be defeated in carrying out the levy by the tribunes if it weren't for the fact that there's another layer, and that is of course the Sabines kicking up oh, the storm. Oh,
1: yes. I see. Okay. And that
0: changes the direction again. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I can see how Livy and Dionysius are playing with the same chess pieces, but moving them in a very different way. Okay, please tell me. Yeah, yeah. so we've got, according to Dionysius, like he talks about all of this sort of stuff. So right. we've got this military problem. Um, it's pretty clear what we need to do. And then he moves into talking about the tribunes. Okay. And he, let us, he does let us know by name that we've got... Virginius um, is named, and we can assume that... um, Oh, sorry, not Volscius. Duh, I just realised that. Volscius is gone now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we assume that Volscius, Victor, is still involved because it's hard to tell that he's not. Because what Dionysius says is Virginius and his fellow tribunes who held the same power for the fifth year... Mm. which v- which kind of suggests that all of the same tribunes are coming back into power. That's what
0: I was thinking but then I realised Vols- um, Volscius was condemned at the end of uh, 458 and sent to exile so I think they mean those other nameless tribunes. The nameless that ones was just, That was just me getting caught up in the fact that they've now been in power a... forever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a group of at least four who have continuously held yeah, the The so Viginius
0: is the named one that mm. we've got who's been in power for like A number of years. Yeah. Yeah, Volscius is finally
1: out of the picture. My apologies. (laughs) Yeah, but it does seem that there is a group of them. Definitely, yeah. And interestingly, unlike the other magistries that we're seeing emerging, like the consulship and and the nascent quaestorship. Sure. uh, they seem to not have a rule about being able to hold the position on multiple occasions. Yeah, like, which is what um, we see with the
0: tribunes all the time. Yeah, yeah year yeah. after
1: year. And so even though we get consuls holding the consulship more than once, they don't tend to do it in consecutive years. No. So that's interesting. Mm. So we've got this... Something quite different is happening with the Tribune of the Plebs yeah. at this point. And it's a problem for the patricians because this means that the same issues keep getting pushed. Yes. Um, and the consuls change... And new consuls have to navigate the same issue, but it's like they come at it with the same baseline level of starting idea. It's not like they've like built knowledge, <laughs> uh, consular knowledge over time that they pass down as some some kind of secret that they pass on. Each consul decides the same uh, course of action needs to be taken in order to deal with the tribune of the plebs yeah. and their requirements, which is basically to ignore them and to roll all of the plebeians yeah. under the levy. Yeah, Absolutely. and so and this is exactly. Um, what, what they do. What they decide to do. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Senate gets together and they're like, okay, we've got a problem. And lo and behold, but who gets to have, uh, who gets to speak first after uh, preliminaries have been done? Let me guess. Does his name begin with a C? Uh, it does. <laughs> it is none other than Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. He is described as the wisest statesman and the ablest general. Mm. And. Um, he comes up with what is going to be, of no doubt, a novel idea to you, I'm sure, which is that they should postpone uh, the concerns of the citizens until after the pressing issue of the war has been dealt with. They're so lucky, in a way, that they keep getting attacked
0: by external enemies. Otherwise, this line just could not fly. Okay. See, this is this is an interesting thing in my account as well. We do definitely get this feeling that, okay, so queen Threat then we've got the levy, fight against the levy, looks like the consuls might lose it, then the Sabine attack, so then there has to be compromise because there's just too much of an external threat. In Livy's account, the tribunes agree to allow the levy, but there are conditions. And they've tried to do this before, so that's not shocking. But their condition is interesting in my account. I don't know if it's the same in yours. They say that there's just too few of them to really look out for plebeian interests. And instead, they should have 10 tribunes.
1: Mm. Oh, look, it's going to take me all year to get to that piece. Okay, of fair enough, fair enough. So <laughs> continue to tell me what's going on in your account. Yep. Dear Lord. <laughs> the um, detail that Dionysius <laughs> has on this. The it. detail. Yeah. Well, oh, some of it I, I do want to pull out a little bit because yeah. uh, one of the things that Cincinnatus tries to do is to really appeal to um, ideas of Roman masculinity. Classic. Or at least this is the way that Dionysius of Halicarnassus presents it. Right. Um, so he says that like, if they don't, uh, defend their land, mm. um, they'll lose the empire that they've developed so far. The empire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the empire. <laughs> um, and it would be lost in a shameful and pusillanimous fashion. Whoa. Well, I, yeah. I know. I yeah. know. Um, And I was like, wow. I'm like, that's a pretty fancy word. I'm going (laughs) to check the Greek for that. Um, And I'm glad I did, actually, because, I mean, basically, we're talking about a lack of courage or determination. That's what the English word means. Yes, yes. But when you look at the Greek, it's actually "an andros," which is unmanly. Mm. Mm. Well, we We, know know anything about the Romans. We know they do not like to be unmanly. Without manliness. So... And they're like, do you really want to risk losing everything that we fought for together as a, as a community? Uh, because you're not men. <laughs> um, so, you know, it really tries to, like, pull this line of, like, you know, our masculinity is, uh, is on the line here. We need to, we need to man up and I get little, on the battlefield. I feel despondent because I kind of feel like... I know this play is (laughs) going (laughs) to work. He takes it further though, because then he goes in, he launches into this sort of like great sort of rhetorical moment where it's like, you know, the great patricians will go out there themselves. It doesn't matter if the citizens don't respond to the levy, you know, they can try to resist the levy if they want to, but we'll be there because we're the real Romans. And when we lose or whether we win, just you wait. Because we either go down fighting as the best patricians Rome has ever had, or we win and we come back and you sorry losers are going to regret it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Um,
0: I do feel like this is definitely just empty words because you don't have the numbers, Cincinnati. You just don't. That's the whole point.
1: Of the levy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's worse yeah. is that after he's done this, this is uh, a great rhetorical speech within the Senate. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the the Senate is all very pleased. They're like, woo, yeah, yeah, we'll get in there. You know, old we'll men go in, out by ourselves. Yeah, yeah, old men in togas who are sort of struggling to stand up. Like, I'll get in there. And, I'll the, and the hot young patricians are like,
0: yeah, <laughs> crushing beer cans <laughs> on the phone
1: <fire. laughs> yeah. Oh, get him! <laughs> Let me out! Um, and so anyway, so they decide to call an of the people mm-hmm. um, the, the populace believe that they're going to hear something about the law, about the laws mm. and the things that they've been arguing for and that the tribunes, I mean initially that's what the discussion was supposed to be about when the Senate decided course. to have the meeting Yeah, and they got so, distracted, as usual yeah. <laughs> so the people of the city just come in, they're like oh it's an assembly, we're going to hear something new for a change this will be great, instead their
0: poor little despondent hearts
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Horatius is the one who gives the message, Right. Um, stands up and he's like, look, you know, it's definitely time uh, to get the campaigning underway. Mm. And everybody's pretty displeased about that. And the tribunes vocally are like, um, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I believe we have some unfinished business. Um, I thought we were talking about the law about the laws. We've been talking about it. For decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the people get really whipped up. Yeah. Um, so then Horatius has to come back out again, and he's like, you know what, guys? Here's the deal. You know, we're not going to give up our privileges. Honest, honest, okay, yep, <laughs> yep. I, I admire his forthrightness. You know, yes. if, if we let this go, um, we will have lost all of the advantages which we possess, whether inherited from our ancestors or acquired by our own toils. And we're not ready to do that. Oh, the present-day parallels really can't help but hit me over the head at
0: this point. (laughs) Listeners, please never forget that the powerful never give up their power
1: willingly. (laughs) Corporations, (laughs) government. (laughs) And then we get into the rhetoric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Because he's, he's really honest in that moment, and I highlighted it, and I was like, that is the moment in history. That is the classic moment in history.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, this is the thing that would never happen these days. People pretend that they're making concessions. They never actually just come out and say, I'm not going to do that because it would mean that
1: I would be less powerful. Yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, he does couch it in... Uh, inclusive pronouns okay. he's like our privilege sure, sure. Yeah. our advantages yeah. this tiny group of wealthy yeah, patrician yeah. people and yeah. he's talking to the people yeah. but he's really talking about the patricians, the patricians. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like what share do the plebeians have in, in the immense privilege that is Rome Absolutely nothing. (laughs) 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 Uh, Exactly. And so then he starts getting into the the wartime rhetoric, you know. Um, Despite the struggle, we have a shield of hope with us. Um, If the gods are watching, if Fortuna is watching, the gods will be on our side. Mm. And he basically sets up that rhetorical argument, which is, do you really want to be the people who stay with the women? gender dynamic (laughs) really you want to be that guy yeah i think they do Uh, in roman times yeah i think they do yeah (laughs) um so you know this is the classic sort of patriarchal move of like defining masculinity as the opposite of whatever women do yeah and you'd be better off working against your own interests
0: than being embarrassingly aligned with women. Yes. That's, that's- that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to shame you by talking about gender into doing what is absolutely not in your best interest.
1: Yeah. So rather than let's talk about your rights. Yes. Um, rather than let's just give you this freaking law against the laws. Yeah. <laughs> rather than talking about how we might be able to build something into this system that benefits you. Absolutely. Let's question your masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> let's make you insecure. <laughs> let's make you embarrassed. Let's make you angry. Have you really thought that maybe you're not really a man? <laughs> um because if you haven't, let me tell you today's the day where you're not really involved. Lift up your shooting and quickly
0: do a check.
1: <laughs> is there something between your legs or not? <laughs> because if there is, you need to be on that battlefield, my friend. Or else I mean you can show them to me, but I'm not sure I believe you yeah, that's right. <laughs> Seeing ain't believing. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to walk the walk.
0: Oh, God, this, <laughs> As makes, it makes, were.
1: this makes me so sick. So, I mean, this is, there is a real lesson here, I think, particularly for, for men in this narrative, which is to not get caught up in uh, narratives of masculinity. Mm. Um, I mean, you're being sold a lie. They're asking you to do these things because they want you to be a particular way that might not be to your benefit. It's actually really interesting
0: because I teach all girls at the moment and it is actually remarkable how quickly people latch on to gender differences and how much we struggle to see how the class issue. It's really, I find it very much, whether I'm teaching boys or girls, but if if they are in like a single-sex environment, um, as sometimes happens, uh, you know, in school environments... They really quite easily latch onto gender things and and get caught up in exactly this kind of stuff, overlooking the class solidarity angle or the the, um, social inequality angle. And that's what I always have to drive home to them. It matters just as much, if not more, than anything you can say about gender. And yet we continually overlook it.
1: Yeah, and there's this classic sort of like uh, Marxist position, which positions class as the the driving conflict of society. And to a certain extent it's a it's a good argument. But gender is definitely used as a leverage point to either downplay the class struggle yes. or to amplify that class struggle. Absolutely, yeah. And so we can't discount the way that uh, gender politics is also influencing the social oh, yeah, yeah. and the political.
0: Gender absolutely is a huge issue, but I just I just find it that people get swept up on it so quickly. Whereas really, like the, the the people that the plebeian men have things in common with, you know, in this instance with the law about the laws and all that kind of stuff, are their fellow, you know, plebeian women like the people are in it together? The other people in this like well non patrician body. Um, it's, it's not, the, the lifestyle of these patrician men is far and away from what their experience is. And I think the
1: problem with this is that you can see how society is sort of finely grained on a, on a bunch of like really clear categories where a plebeian man is going to feel very strongly that he's got far more in common with a patrician man yeah. than he does with any woman because of the way that the patriarchal system excludes women True. from politics. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, like, culturally, I totally get
0: it. Like, yes, they actually probably do because they are all part of a group that women do not belong to, which is people who have some rights, if not all the rights.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's like, and, and so it gets into threats. Horatius eventually gets to threats. Yeah. Um... So it's like, you know, like, what's going to happen if we all go out and we all do that weirdos thing and you guys all stay behind? And so he repeats that sort of Cincinnati's line of like, it's not good for you if we win. And it's not good for you if we lose, because if we win, we're coming back for you. And if we lose, the enemy is coming for you. And you think the enemy is going to care at all about your law, about the laws and these (laughs) other petty things that you're asking about? They won't. They're going to sack the city and they're going to turn you into slaves or kill you. One way or the other, it's not going to work out. So maybe you should think about that. I'm not going to know that that is a very real (laughs) possibility. Maybe think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... So, in order to sort of illustrate his point, he yes. then dramatically starts to bring out some really senior patricians. Mm. So, like, you know, the crotchety ones who are sort of... I mean, it would be terrible for them to be on the battlefield. It's I've a, been here since the monarchy. <laughs> I remember when we had a king. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh no. Darkwood, wasn't it? <laughs> and it's like, stop, man, stop. <laughs> and these old patricians who are crying because, you know, this is the Rome that they know and love... And it's failing before their eyes uh, And they're kind of like I'm going to be out there And it's just so sad that it's come to this Like what's my life been for? Um, Yourself, mostly Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Horatius gets back into it again So if it's not already clear We're in one of those uh, episodes where Dionysius of Halicarnassus Loves the speeches I was going to say It's been well, be a while since we've good Dionysius yeah, <laughs> speech
0: is Best. Yeah, yeah, I'm liking. So, I'm liking it actually. Again, this episode is just full of nostalgia for me. It's
1: taking me back. And he's sort of like, "Are you going to let these old men take up arms when you have young, strong arms yourself? Mm. I mean, you know, like what are you and doing? What about your legs? Huh? Yeah. yeah, anybody <laughs> thought about the legs? <laughs> are they even going to make it? Eugenius um, notices that the people are starting to, to sway. Be swayed. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. And he gets quite concerned. Yeah, um, well, he should be. <laughs> so he sort of storms back out again. We're like, give me the stage. <laughs> uh, I need to talk. Um, and he's known for being very fiery mm. with his uh, his speeches. Yeah. Yeah, and look, he he makes he builds a new case, and he's like, we're not abandoning you. We're not betraying you. No. You know, we've never really declined to go on any expedition. We've always done it. Yeah. But what we want is to have some semblance that we matter in this society. Absolutely. We're asking for something really small. Just give me a little sign, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Something, anything to show that you care, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, we need to have the safeguards in place so that there is a greater freedom and understanding about how the laws work in this place. Absolutely. It's very <laughs> concerning. And Just some rules. Yeah. Some rules and regulations. And I'll level with you guys. We've been asking about this for a while. And we've got a really strong suspicion that you're never going to agree. Well, yeah. I mean, it re-
0: I, I actually haven't done the math on this. But it has been ages. Like, it feels like a long it's time. It's
1: actually phenomenal how long this has been going <laughs> on. Yeah, look, I mean, you, you wanted to understand history, you want to get in it, you want to feel like you're living it oh boy, these episodes, I don't know how long we've been doing this. I know, well I mean I honestly feel like I've never encountered
0: stubbornness before (laughs) until I've seen the patricians (laughs) and their way
1: of putting it off. (laughs) Year after year. So anyway, I mean the people are clearly agitated and Horatius sort of is like, well you know, if you've got a reasonable request now's the time to make it, because I'm not going to deny you a reasonable request. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh oh. (laughs) It's a trap. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no consul's ever said that before. No, Wait no. a minute. He's seen he's secretly thinking yeah. plebeian scum. Uh, and is like, let me just consult my fellow tribunes. <laughs> These nameless people <laughs> who apparently have been serving alongside me. Yeah, yeah. So they do a bit of a tribune huddle. <laughs> Presumably everybody's watching while this goes on. Radish, 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 radish. <laughs> <laughs> they come back and they're like you know what we would like? We would like to have a doubling of the tradition of the pre- of the plebeian tribunate. And we're back on track, Dr. G. <laughs> Live in Dionysius back in the game Nashing together. Up. Yeah, oh. it only took you I don't know two Half more pages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so they okay. like they said we'd like maybe we've got five, but it would be really great to have ten. Yes. Uh, everyone's like, um...
0: well. Prepare to be surprised, listeners, because I've got something that you're definitely going to need that fainting couch for. So dust it off, here it comes. They agree. What I know, they say, all right. I mean, obviously, it's because they feel they have no other option. But in my account, they agree, but they do have their own condition, which is that they don't want to see the same men in the position of Tribune year after year, as we have been seeing for the past, like, five years. Is that also one of the conditions of dynasty? Shock. (laughs) Horror. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, the salient points are similar, but I've got some extra detail for you. okay. Hit me with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, first of all, it turns out that this request to to double double the tribunes um, is sort of discussed amongst the Senate. Okay. Let me guess. They say despicable things. (laughs) <laughs> cincinnatus ah, gets to have his say excellent and you know he's always been considered to be fairly harsh towards the plebeians but he deserves to be because he's really hot <laughs> he's a hot older man he's a hot old man yeah. never wears a shirt this yeah. is true i'm get any he farms hes farms yeah. you know he works yeah. with his hands in the sun <laughs> in and the summertime you know that man yeah. anyway but like the 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 plebeians have always felt that he has been very harsh with them. Well, I mean, I think it's a family thing, isn't it? I mean, they didn't like Kaiser. Yeah, and he sort of whips them into line in ways that they don't appreciate. And he's very rhetorically forceful with them. Yeah. So they always worry about what he thinks. Yeah. And he basically comes out straight away and he's like, I think this is a great opportunity for the plebeians to have... Five extra tribunes. Oh wow! I okay. think this is great. Okay, now now I need my fainting catch. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? Um, and then we have uh, Gaius Claudius, ah. son of Appius Claudius. Excellent. Yeah. For listeners who are just tuning in for the first time,
0: number one, what are you doing? Go back and let's see what they are. Says number two, the Claudians are known to be
1: also fairly hardline patricians at this point in time. They are. Yeah. And. Uh, he's like, you know what? I think this is a great idea. Okay.
0: I actually <laughs> felt a little sick just because I feel like it's a trap. It, it is a trap. Okay, okay, yeah, okay.
1: It is a trap. Yeah. You want to know why it's a trap? Because he makes a long speech. He okay. makes a long speech. Um, luckily, we don't have most of it. Dionysus is <laughs> spared as that. Um, but he points out that if they have more tribunes, mm. they'll be easier to siphon off into factions uh, that can't get stuff done.
0: Okay. Divide and conquer.
1: Yes. Right,
0: right. Yes. Well, I mean, look, this, this hasn't been the case for a little while because we have been so focused with this law on the law things and there's been all sorts of personal drama for the tribunes as well mm. linked into everything. So we haven't seen this for a while, but there definitely were periods when we were talking about this conflict of the orders where it seemed clear that some of the tribunes of the plebs were totally in the pockets of the patricians. Like, they were... And, and probably for... I mean, when I say good reasons, I mean as in probably because they saw uh, more of themselves... yeah, you because know, you can be a wealthy patrician. Uh, sorry, you can be a wealthy people, you know, whatever. They might have seen more in themselves or more of their own self-interest in the patrician cause, you know, carrying favours, whatever, what have you. You know how it works. Backroom <laughs> deals. Yada yada. Shake a hand here. <laughs> She's there. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, it has been a while since we've dealt with this, but yeah, it is possible for Tribunes to not be looking out for the best interests of the
1: plebeians. It is true. Yeah. And I should clarify, because actually, um, now that I'm looking at it more closely, Gaius yeah. Cordius is actually dead against this. He's not, he's not pro this. He thinks it's terrible because it's an obfuscation of all of the rules and regulations that are already in place. Ah, and it's yes. Cincinnatus who notices right. that this is an, actually an opportunity. And he's gotcha. like, you know, Claudius, this could actually play in our favor, yes. which is why we should allow it to happen. <laughs> and, and then they both said, <laughs> <laughs> So the patricians are having a great time. They're like, really? That's all you're asking right now? You just want to double your number? You can have it. <laughs> Have it, and they're like, <laughs>
0: well, I mean, to be fair, the Tribunes haven't always achieved a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong, I I'm, I admire their uh, their ongoing efforts, but they don't always achieve a lot. So, I guess doubling their numbers is kind of like <laughs> small fry. Well, and,
1: yeah. and the sense in which they might be more ineffectual if there's more of them True. is to disagree amongst yeah, each other, yeah, yeah, I, I think is a valid point. And totally. So, it looks like they're doing a thing. And this means that the plebeians will definitely engage in the levy and they'll go and do the stuff that they need to do. And at the same time, the patricians haven't really done anything of benefit for the the plebeians. The final thing that is interesting in terms of what happens in this whole
0: scenario for me in Levy's account is that they have at least learned something, which is that... I was going to use a very inappropriate analogy. I won't go there. But yeah, um, they've learned that it's dangerous to extract promises from patricians, consuls, the Senate, whoever, uh, and then go off to war and then come back and expect your payment of whatever it is. And so the tribunician election is held straight away. Oh, wow. Because they're concerned that they're just going to go back on their word once the war is over. So that was, I thought, at least something which showed uh, some awareness of, you know,
1: don't be stupid, take the payment up front! Anyway, and so... I've been doing this for five years exactly, as a yeah. tribune, and what I can tell you is, if we don't if we don't get this done now, it's just not going to get done, exactly. guys.
0: Um, and so, uh, ten men end up getting elected, and there are two from each class, and mm. they say that from then onwards, they should continue to have two tribunes elected from each class of ten in total.
1: Mm. Yes. Um, so... This leads us into sort of like um, the back end of the year. And I don't know about you, but for me, that gets wrapped up pretty quickly. Because oh, yeah. once we get this domestic issue sorted out, yeah. the armies get sent out. Yeah. Minucius heads to the Sabine Territory. Horatius heads to the Aquian Territory. Yeah. The Sabines basically just retreat and allow everything to be pillaged. So that's a bit boring as, yeah, a, 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 as a military my account, thing. Minucius
0: can't even find them. They're just like in the
1: wind. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't exist. Anymore. just an excuse (laughs) and Horatius sort of gets the large share of like military um excitement because uh the enemy runs away and he gets the chance to like raise Corbio to the ground essentially before then going home absolutely and and then we're kind of like done with 457. Absolutely
0: it always makes me think that really (laughs) this military action was just an excuse for the
1: for the domestic troubles to be. I mean, certainly within in terms of the narrative, it seems like we're in a state of constant warfare. But also, uh, it, the the pressing domestic issue is yes. is really coming to a head. Absolutely. Now. All right, Dr. G. So the end of the year
0: seems like a good time to do the partial pick. <coughs> Yes, indeed. The partial pick is where we wrap up the episode. The Romans have the chance to win a total of 50 golden eagles. We have five categories. Each one is worth 10 golden eagles. Mm. So Dr. G, what is our first category to discuss? Military cloud. Okay, well, this is a little tricky, isn't it? <laughs> Even though we got well, into so the detail. I mean, they. Yeah. I mean, they did well. They won everything. That is true, but there's not <laughs> a lot of actual military engagement. So I. Oh
1: come on! They raised Corbio <laughs> to the ground. Yeah, yeah, but you know they. Like, at least five. Just,
0: like gone.
1: Yeah, so you know half isn't bad. That's a fifty
0: percent. That's fine. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I feel like I'll give them like a four. Oh, yeah, okay, because yeah. they're pretty
1: slow. I mean, it took them yeah. all year to get organized, exactly. as yeah. far as
0: I can tell. And they don't, they're do not they not really adding anything. They're just, like, you know, <laughs> reestablishing control, really. Okay, so that's a four for military collapse. All right, diplomacy. Ooh, okay, well, obviously there's not a lot of external diplomacy happening. But there's um, a lot of internal diplomacy. There certainly is. Uh, now, it's a bit evil, <laughs> but um, we do at least get something done. Which is... And in, within a year. That's amazing. I'm frankly flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe a, a six. Mm, sounds good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just Just because it's a bit evil in that they're not really trying to resolve, like...
1: Well, they're, they're doing stuff for appearances, so I yeah. think that's an issue. Yes. Yeah, um. Exactly. So it's not a real... It's not a huge win, but it's... Progress. It is pro- uh, it apparently. Is pro- it yeah? is
0: well. I mean, we haven't seen it at not least be the Pelicans. The Fabians can go home thinking we had a win today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's our next category?
1: Expansion. No. <laughs> That's, That's a, nothing. a big fan zero. That's a nothing. Uh, all right. Just holding holding what they've got. Yeah. Weirdos? Uh Okay. Look, the Patricians are really leveraging masculinity as a thing they are but are they really are they showing it yeah, yeah I feel like it's a lot of talk about it <laughs> ha ha. but then they do go out and have some military victories this is true. if there's any way to show weird to us in ancient Rome that's that
0: yeah I mean I'd be, I'd be willing to give them like a, a three maybe you mm-hmm. know for like Cincinnati's having I don't know the usual kind of <laughs> patriarchal talk <laughs> and, and then the military victories so I'd be willing to go that far
1: alright it's that's not it's not
0: extraordinary yeah All right, and the citizen score, last of all. Well, okay, there is something here. I mean, on the downside, they still have to serve in the army. (laughs) On the plus side, they've got five new representatives. (laughs) Yes, and I feel like they would feel more positive about that, even though there might be a secret motive on the part of the patricians for allowing that to happen.
1: Look, the patricians can have a plan, but they haven't yet demonstrated that they can control ten tribunes. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. Unity, Dr. G. Unity <laughs> could, be, could triumph in the end. So I actually feel like you'd be feeling relatively okay i would at least give it maybe a five because it's like i mean yes they had to go to war but yes they also got something and the patricians actually agreed to something yeah which hardly ever happens
0: and look war isn't always like i do recognize in this time in this day and age war isn't necessarily a terrible thing because it doesn't at least give you the chance to capture some booty and that kind of stuff um and you know again as we talked about in the roman idea of masculinity you know, being a warrior is a sign of your masculinity, is a sign of your identity, you know, your cultural identity. So it's not necessarily the worst thing. It's not like everybody necessarily hates it. It's just when they're doing it all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, so should we give them a five? Sounds good to me. Alright. Ah, okay. Well I'm afraid that's still a bit of a disappointing total G. The Romans have only ended up with 18 golden eagles. Oh, that is week. a solid fail, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like we do maybe have to adjust uh, our scoring system because I feel like when when there isn't a lot of military stuff happening, which we don't really rate per se,
1: <laughs> it's always really terrible. But Oh, anyway. but just you wait. There's going to be some great military stuff. We're getting there. We're getting there. They're we just finding their feet in Italy at the moment.
0: Yeah. And look, you know what? The the fact is the Romans themselves would have like wanted us to do it this
1: way. <laughs> they, they like military we, stuff. Yes, we have to judge them by their own categories, so and it turns <laughs> out that they're terrible.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, thank you for joining me for another exciting year, Dr. G. I look forward to talking at 456. Oh yes. Mm.
1: I'll see you next time. Hi listeners, Dr. G here. In the time between recording this latest episode and the release of this episode, the world has changed in incredible ways. Uh, we wanna say a huge thank you to everybody on the front line uh, supporting people uh, with COVID-19 and to wish you all the very best for your health and safety. In addition to that, we'd like to thank our patrons. Adri, Dana, Joel, Justine, Roman, Savannah, Sharon, Sean, Tamara and Zara. Thank you so much for your support, particularly in what is such a challenging time. Hopefully a little bit of Roman history is just the kind of light touch that most of us will need to get through what are becoming challenging times. Stick together, support your indie podcasts and spread the word. Take care and stay safe from the partial historians.